Welcome to the end of rotation exam review. I'm Lenny C, PAS, and I'm going to give you three high yield case vignettes so that you can ace your EOR exams. Today, we'll be discussing pediatric cardiology. We'll be covering topics from coarctation of the aorta to Eisenmenger syndrome to tetralogy of Fallot. Without further ado, here's your first question. A nine-year-old boy presents to your clinic with widened pulse pressure, paradoxical splitting of S2, and a continuous machinery-type murmur that is heard best in the second left intercostal space and is widely transmitted over the precordium. No cyanosis is present. What is the most likely diagnosis? Is it A, ventricular septal defect? B, atrial septal defect, C, coarctation of aorta, or D, patent ductus arteriosus? The correct answer is D, patent ductus arteriosus, or PDA. PDA is classically described as a continuous machinery type murmur, or a rough machinery murmur that is widely transmitted across the precordium. That's the region immediately in front of the heart. S1 is normal, but S2 may be split depending on how severe the PDA is. Typically, the most common cause of PDA in children is from acquired heart disease or congenital heart disease. In premature infants, indomethacin or ibuprofen, which are inhibitors of prostaglandin synthesis, are used as the initial interventions for PDA closure. If you picked A, ventricular septal defect, that wasn't correct. Remember that VSDs present with the medium-pitched, harsh pan-systolic murmur that's heard best at the left sternal border, or at the fourth intercostal space. The pan-systolic or holosystolic murmur is the dead giveaway for VSD. Pan-systolic or holosystolic means that the murmur spreads across systole, and it's considered a acyanotic congenital heart defect. Everything else will be normal, there's no heave or thrill present, no cyanosis. Peripheral pulses are normal and equal, and the murmur radiates over the entire precordium and the S2 is physiologically split. Now don't get tripped up with the S2 that is physiologically split, because physiologically means that it's normal. Um, and you don't want to get that confused with a fixed wide split S2. Physiologic splitting will be in your cases, and like I said, it's normal. And at the end of the day, you want to remember that VSD is pansystolic or holosystolic murmur. If you pick B, that's atrial septal defect or ASD. Remember that an ASD has a fixed, widely split S2 with the right ventricular heave, as well as a systolic ejection murmur. The murmur is best heard at the left sternal border second intercostal space. There's no cyanosis and the peripheral pulses are normal and equal, but on EKG you'll see right axis deviation because there's left to right shunting and that causes the right atria to enlarge and therefore right axis deviation. So remember in an ASD you'll get fixed widely split S2. If you picked C, that was coarctation of the aorta. The pathognomonic finding in coarct is decreased or absent from oral pulses. Now that's really important to remember 
Because there's a narrowing of the descending aorta at the insertion of the ductus arteriosus, or narrowing at the aorta somewhere, blood will have difficulty flowing to the lower parts of the body. So there will be also a blood pressure difference in the upper limbs versus the lower limbs. Usually the arms are greater than the legs. There could also be a grade 2 out of 6 ejection murmur at the aorta uh, aortic area and the left sternal border that radiates into the left axilla and the left back. Sometimes the case vignette will include a posterior one-third rib notching, so rib notching, remember that, uh, of the third to eighth ribs uh, due to erosion by the large collateral arteries. Just remember, if you see indents of the aorta or decreased or absent femoral pulses or rib notching, it's coarct. Let's review. If you see a rough machinery murmur or a continuous machinery type murmur, think PDA or patent ductus arteriosus. If you see a pansystolic or holosystolic murmur, think VSD or ventral septal defect. If you see fixed, widely split S2 in the left second intercostal space, think ASD or atrial septal defect. And lastly, if you see decreased or absent femoral pulses, think coarct of the aorta. Question number two. A 15-year-old man presents after fainting while playing a basketball game. The patient states he was shooting when he felt lightheaded and subsequently passed out. On presentation, he is asymptomatic and has completely normal vital signs. Using your stethoscope, you hear a crescendo-decrescendo murmur at the left sternal border. What diagnosis should be suspected in this patient? Is it A. Stills murmur? B. Eisenmenger syndrome? C. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy? Or D. Venous hum? The correct answer is C. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, or HCM, or formerly known as HOCAM. It is an autosomal dominant genetic abnormality that causes asymmetric left ventricular wall hypertrophy, leading to an outflow obstruction. When bodily oxygen demand is increased, aka running or playing basketball, the heart pumps harder and faster because of the outflow obstruction, the typical presentation is dyspnea on exertion. About 20-30% to will present after a syncopal event, and many present with sudden death from a dysarrhythmia. On physical exam, you may hear a loud S4 gallop, but the presence of a harsh mid-systolic crescendo-decrescendo murmur over the lower left sternal border is pathognomonic for hokum. You want to hear if the murmur changes with position, and so you ask the patient to decrease ventricular filling by standing or performing a valsalva maneuver, and increase ventricular filling by squatting. Hokum is the only condition where you'll hear a louder murmur when the patient is standing or performing a valsalva maneuver, and a softer murmur when they squat. On ECG, you'll see left ventricular hypertrophy with deep, narrow Q waves, and treatment options include avoiding physical activities and beta blockers. Let's review. So if you have an adolescent who presents with a syncope and a murmur that is softer when squatting and louder when standing, it's hokum. 
If you picked A, that was Still's Murmur. Still's Murmur is a benign murmur of childhood that usually resolves by early adolescence. It can occur at any age, but usually between ages 2 to 8. There are no physiologic or anatomic abnormalities, and it's believed to be due to vibrations in the chordae tendinae, or ventricular walls. When you listen to the murmur, it's a low-grade, mid-systolic murmur, and it's heard loudest between the left lower sternal border and apex, and it has characteristic vibratory or musical quality. In contrast to hokum, the murmur decreases in intensity with inspiration, sitting up, or standing. Most pathologic murmurs do not change significantly with standing except for the murmur associated with hokum. So remember if you hear a vibratory or musical murmur at the apex that decreases with standing and increases with valsalva maneuvers, it's a stills murmur. If you pick B, that's Eisenmenger's syndrome. And that is defined as a triad of systemic to pulmonary congenital cardiovascular communication, pulmonary arterial disease, and cyanosis. So in short, there's an underlying congenital heart disease that can include VSDs, ASDs, PDAs, and other structural issues. The syndrome can cause pulmonary arterial disease, so other causes of pulmonary hypertension must be ruled out. On physical exam, you'll find central cyanosis and digital clubbing, and on chest x-ray, you'll see cardiomegaly. Remember, if you see cardiomegaly in a child with cyanosis, Eisenmenger syndrome goes to the top of your differential. D was venous hum. Venous hum is another innocent murmur in children and presents with a continuous, low-pitched murmur at the left or right upper sternal borders slash infraclavicular or supraclavicular regions. When the patient is sitting with head extended, it's louder, and when flexing the neck or lying down, it's softer. Overall, the murmur's intensity changes with position and distinguishes it from a PDA, which will be present no matter the body position. So remember, if you hear a murmur that changes with head position, it's venous hum, an innocent murmur. Let's review. Holcomb presents with a harsh, mid-systolic, crescendo-decrescendo murmur over the lower left sternal border in athletes who present with syncope or fainting. Still's murmur is a benign tumor that goes away by adolescence and has a vibratory or musical low-grade mid-systolic murmur heard loudest between the left lower sternal border and apex. Venus hum is another innocent murmur that is a continuous low-pitched murmur at the left or right upper sternal border slash infraclavicular or supraclavicular regions. And Eisenmenger syndrome is a triad of systemic to pulmonary congenital cardiovascular communication issues along with pulmonary arterial disease and cyanosis that's typically diagnosed in infancy. your third week at your peds rotation and an eight-year-old girl is brought in by her mom for strange behavior. She had intermittent fevers at night for the past week and reports left knee, bilateral ankle, and right elbow joint pain and swelling. As she's sitting on your exam table, her hands are writhing uncontrollably and she maintains that she can't control them. 
On exam, a diastolic murmur is noted at the right upper sternal border. Which of the following diagnoses is the most consistent with her symptoms? Is it A, acute rheumatic fever, B, pulmonic stenosis, C, aortic stenosis, or D, tetralogy of Fallot? The correct answer is A, acute rheumatic fever. I really wanted to include this in one of these cases because this disease is pretty complex, but we need to be able to recognize it. This girl has ARF, acute rheumatic fever, and is a sequelae from group A streptococcus pharyngitis. And it can present with arthritis, carditis, chorea, erythema marginatum, and subcutaneous nodules. If you can remember, acute rheumatic fever is diagnosed via two major manifestations or one major plus two minor manifestations. I'm only going to cover the major manifestations because if you see those symptoms in the question, it's ARF. The Jones criteria or Jones is a mnemonic that can help you remember the manifestations. Jones, J-O-N-E-S, J is for joints or arthritis. Each joint is inflamed for a few days, and it's usually the knees, ankles, elbows, and wrists. O is for the heart-shaped O, carditis, that is really valvitis. Echo will show mitral or aortic regurgitation. N for nodules. They appear over bony surfaces or prominences near tendons, usually extensor surfaces, and are usually symmetric. E for erythema marginatum. Those are pink rings on the torso and inner surfaces of the limb. And lastly, S, Sydenham's chorea. And that's a rapid, irregular, and aimless involuntary movements of the arms, legs, trunk, and facial muscles. To diagnose, you must confirm a recent episode of streptococcal infection. And you can either do this by an anti-streptolysin O titer, ASO titer, or by a positive stroke culture or a rapid strep antigen test. If you pick B, that was pulmonic stenosis. In children with mild or moderate pulmonic stenosis, you'll hear a systolic ejection click and a systolic ejection murmur in the left second intercostal space. Typically, the closer the systolic click is to the first heart sound, the worse the pulmonic stenosis is, and the louder the murmur, the more severe. The click is due to the snap opening of the pulmonary valve and the murmur is from the blood trying to rush through the stenosed valve. Usually serious cases are diagnosed in neonates, but some mild to moderate cases of pulmonic stenosis persist into childhood and will typically present with cyanosis, fatigue, dyspnea with exertion. Remember systolic ejection click and systolic ejection murmur in the left second intercostal space for pulmonic stenosis. C was aortic stenosis. The murmur of aortic stenosis is characterized by a harsh crescendo-decrescendo systolic murmur. In milder cases, you may hear a systolic ejection click, and in more severe cases of stenosis, a systolic thrill or vibration may be felt at the suprasternal notch or in the spaces above the clavicle. In congenital aortic stenosis, an infant would present with cyanosis, pulmonary congestion, and heart failure within the first few weeks of birth with a lack of peripheral pulses. So for aortic stenosis, remember the harsh crescendo-decrescendo murmur. 
that is systolic in a cyanotic infant. If you pick D, that was Tetralogy of Fallot. Tetralogy is a congenital heart disease and is the most common cyanotic congenital heart disease characterized by four different defects. One, a ventricular septal defect. Two, an overriding aorta. Three, right ventricular hypertrophy. And four, pulmonic stenosis with right ventricular outflow obstruction. The patient will present to you with the classic tet spells, which is cyanosis, irritability, and crying, which temporarily relieves the cyanosis. Parents will tell you their child has been squatting from an early age because squatting increases peripheral vascular resistance and improves oxygenation. So during a TET spell, you manage by placing the child in the knees to chest position and you subsequently give oxygen and morphine. Chest x-ray will show a boot-shaped heart. Definitive treatment is surgical correction, but even after surgery, they may have residual pulmonary regurgitation. Remember for Tetralogy of Fallot, it is a cyanotic congenital heart defect. They get tet spells, crying, and squatting relieves their symptoms. Let's review. Acute rheumatic fever manifests with the Jones criteria. J for joint, O for the shape of heart for carditis, N for nodules, E for erythema marginatum, and S for Sydenham's chorea. Pulmonic stenosis is characterized by systolic ejection click and systolic ejection murmur in the left second intercostal space. Aortic stenosis presents in the cyanotic infant with a harsh crescendo-decrescendo systolic murmur. And lastly, Tetralogy Fallot is a cyanotic congenital heart defect. They get tet spells and crying and squatting relieves their symptoms. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening to the end of rotation exam review. As always, please let me know if you'd like me to cover a topic. Now, onwards to your rotation, and remember, your patients are depending on you to make a difference in their lives.